Picture this. It's blazing hot outside and you need to head to work. You get into your car and turn on the AC to get the cold air pumping as soon as possible, but it doesn't work. Instead, blowing hot air out of your vents and directly into your face. No, your car doesn't hate you. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the air conditioning system, and there's an easy all-in-one solution that will restore your cold air in no time. There's no need to go to the shop and pay lots of money when you can save time and money recharging yourself with AC Pro Recharge Kits. AC Pro Recharge Kits make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience. And the AC Pro app offers clear, vehicle-specific instructions to help you get the job done in less than 10 minutes. So pick up an AC Pro Recharge Kit at any store selling auto products and confidently restore your car's cold air yourself today. Be a pro with AC Pro. The Dale Jr. Download is brought to you by ZipRecruiter. You going to any concerts this summer, man? I am. I'm seeing a concert in June. Hardy and Kit Moore. Love Hardy. In uh, Charlotte. I was so stressed getting the tickets. I'm going to be front row. I'm, I'm in the pit. When these tickets go out, man, I am online as soon as tickets open. I don't want to miss a thing. Yeah, you, you know, you got to act quick. Yes. And when you want the best, you have to act quickly or someone else will get it instead. It's like if you're hiring for a business, you want to find the most talented people for your open roles before the competition scoops them up. Mm. So what's the best way to do that? ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter finds qualified candidates fast, and right now, you can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash Dale Jr. ZipRecruiter's powerful matching technology takes center stage to identify top talent for your roles. Immediately after you post your job, ZipRecruiter's smart technology starts showing you qualified people for it. Amp up your hiring performance with ZipRecruiter and find the best fast. See why four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Just go to this exclusive web address right now to try ZipRecruiter for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash Dale Jr. Again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash Dale Jr. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. What do you think? Did he get up? I mean, of all things to say. What? <laughs> what? That family picnic sometimes. Get <laughs> 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 you more than just potato salad. Are you kidding me, Mike? Oh my God, that is hilarious. Hey everybody, it's Dale Jr. Welcome back to another episode of the Dale Jr. Download. It is July the 18th. A beautiful Tuesday. Weather is good. Man, isn't that nice? Yeah, it is nice. Um, so... Let's just get started. This weekend, um, we had everything's kind of messed up. This is, I don't know about everybody else, but um, we had a rain out, and so we didn't race on Sunday, and uh, we raced on Monday, and now Tuesday feels like Monday. We're all messed up. Yeah, it's, it's all backwards. messed up. So, it's backwards. yeah, so this whole week is going to feel like I'm going to get to Friday, and Friday's going to feel like Wednesday. Um, and then it's it's just all weird. Reminds me of that office prank where Jim plays it on Dwight and convinces him it's another day, and uh, it's that's what it feels like. We're it being does. pranked. Yeah, it feels <laughs> like I'm all screwed up. It's weird. Um, but anyways, yeah, we were uh, we were out in Loudon. Uh, I love going there, man. The, there's a cut, there's a restaurant right next to the racetrack. It's actually the same restaurant that has the lobster that comes out to the racetrack. You know, we held the big lobster, Larry. Um, and we had a great debate about that. Um, anyways, it, there's great restaurants, and the racing 
I got a lot to say. You know, I'm trying not to scramble, but the racing in this race this past this past Monday, mm-hmm. um, I'm gonna screw up and say Sunday. The racing <laughs> was amazing. Well, I mean, it? holy sh! I mean, dude, three weeks in a row now. So, all right, I'm gonna back up. Okay, I'm gonna back up. <laughs> I'm uh, just gonna hang on here. Anyways, uh, first off. But the other voice you hear is obviously my co-host, Mike Davis. Good to see you, Mike. Good to see you, too. And we are in the Bojangles studio, and I am hungry for for uh, one of their new chicken biscuits. We just recently announced they have two new versions of their famous chicken biscuit that they recently uh, launched just a couple years ago. They have, it's like two different barbecue sauces, and, and uh, it's kind of the, the Carolina-style barbecue sauce, and then they have the other kind, but they're very, very good. Uh, the chicken biscuit was really good when it first came out, but now they've made it even better. Didn't even plan to say all that, but just wanted to tell you I'm very hungry. My mouth's watering. There we go. All right. Noted. And so, yeah. And so um, <laughs> when we got to New Hampshire, uh, there was a little bit of a threat of whether there was some worry about weather. But in my mind, I'm thinking, yeah, man, but we've got the rain tires, man. We're going to run. We're just going to have a race in the on the rain tires. We did it at North Willsboro, a little damp. Um, we haven't, you know, we've, you know, our – Xfinity Series has raced in the pouring rain, uh, standing water at uh, at the Roval, terrible conditions, and they raced. So yeah, we're gonna have a race. I don't care if it rains or let it rain. Everybody else, Latart, all the rest of the team are like, yeah, it's uh, we got we got uh, got some weather coming. It could be difficult. I'm like, what's the problem? Why aren't we got? You know, we've been we got every damn car's got the windshield wipers. They got this shit hanging off the back of them, uh, <laughs> mud flaps for the spray. They got brake lights and all kinds of blinking shit so they can see each other. It might as well be a boat. Yeah. We got everything we need. What are we doing? <laughs> it is the silliest thing ever. Um, you got, it's like, okay, it's like, <laughs> it's like the, the parents that put their kids in bubble wrap, right? <laughs> figuratively or literally? No, li- figuratively. Okay, good. Like, yeah, they're, got like, it. you know, and, and they got all the bells and whistles. Prepared for the worst. Right. It's like we're yeah. we're so prepared for the worst and not even willing to put the damn car out on the racetrack when it's raining. <laughs> all this. We bubble, is, you're saying we bubble wrapped the sport and yeah. now we're not even taking advantage of it. Right. Right. And so <laughs> I just find I don't know, man. I find that funny as <laughs> that we have we the cars come to the racetrack with all this on it. It's not something that we bolt on right before the race when we're like, oh, it's raining. Let's get all the stuff out. Make these cars rain ready. They come to the track with this stuff on it. I find it funny that you feel like it's one weather fits all and that anything uh, windshield wipers should be able to sustain it. (laughs) I'm just saying to make sense of my argument and and how, how humorous this is, every other series that races in the rain, when it's pouring and they're standing water, they have a red flag. They throw a caution. They stop them. Whatever. That, I'm I'm completely sensible in that in that idea, right? I'm not saying NASCAR boy and a monsoon send them out there, but if we retrofit all this stuff for racing in the rain, and there is like, it's like we're gun shy. It's like we're we're it's like we're yeah, we're ready, but damn, do we really do this? Are Maybe we re- next week. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe we roll it We're out. like the kid that climbs up on the high dive and gets to the end and turns around and walks back. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Perfect analogy. I ain't doing this since too high. That's funny. Yes. Yeah. That, that is a good analogy. Now it makes sense to okay. me. Okay. Because I've done that. I've been that yes. guy. Yes. <laughs> I've been that kid. 
Come on, NASCAR. Yeah. Well, they're happy to let the trucks and Xfinity series roll those things out, but when it comes to Cup, there's a little bit. Uh, oh yeah. A, a little bit of yeah. Well, what is the so problem? A little reluctance. What is it about Cup? Why are they so privileged? Ooh, are they privileged? I think that's what you're saying. Right? Yeah. Why are they so elite? Can't get out there in the weather. Ooh. Seems to me you'd want to get them out there because then you have to stay another day yeah. into the week, into the next week. I'm I'm giving NASCAR a hard time. I'm sure that there are concerns that are warranted and reasons why they don't do this, but I just think visual the the optics is hilarious. We they come to the racetrack. I mean, how many races do we watch them go around in the freaking dry with these ridiculously large windshield wipers that are really large for only one reason, because it's an aero advantage? I took a picture. All right, I want everybody to know. The windshield wipers that you see on the cup cars, there's these big bars. It's, a, it's built that way because it's an aero advantage, right, to have it on there. It's a big triplet, whatever, right? And where it is, like what angle it's at, is an intentional angle, mm. right? And so I thought it was so funny because I went into the Xfinity garage and I went to one of the smaller teams and I took a picture of their windshield wiper. It is the same damn thing that's on your car and my car. Right. Got it down at the Napa. Oh, yeah. Right. Hey, man, we're ready. That's right. But you go to the cup garage and these things, hell, they look batons two, on top. They got like <laughs> two freaking, by four. Yeah, it, is, it is. It's really like a two by two piece of wood bolted to the damn thing. Ain't going to wipe nothing. By God, um, there's some downforce yeah, in that thing, though. It's hilarious. The whole thing make, makes me laugh. And so we've ran so many races with those big, gigantic windshield wipers on the front of these cars in the perfect dry condition, right? <laughs> and so, but boy, one drop of rain, stop. <laughs> oh, what are we going to do? Oh, rain man. tires. I mean, a tractor trailer full of rain tires. All right. They're not rain tires. They're wet weather tires. They're not really rain tires. Let's stop calling them that. They're wet weather tires. They're used on a damp, wet track in the effort to try to dry the track and actually have racing while that's happening. I get it. But we drove them things up here in a truck. A guy was hired to bring them. <laughs> for what? You got to pay him. What the hell? Pay, yeah. <laughs> well, you know what? You actually have a point in the fact that they canceled it pretty early or they postponed it pretty oh, early. Yeah, there was early. no like real attempt. So I wasn't there. You were there. Yeah. Was it just biblical flooding or something? Or Yeah. Okay. All right. So it was uh, the, the, yeah, the infield of the track was under probably standing water of about two inches in, or more in some areas. Uh, the tunnel had... Uh, Probably some standing water about six to twelve inches in it at one point. But on, honestly, man, I took the trash out of the bus at about three o'clock in the afternoon, and it was you could be racing. It mm -hmm. was the perfect scenario in 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 NASCAR's eyes of no rain, but a wet surface. This is when Let's, you have the yeah, this is wet, guy drive those tires up there is, for. This is when you put the wet weather tires on and get the race going. Uh, the modifieds raced, I think. No, yes, no, did they? Yes. Did I think they? he was stopped but, by weather. And then started again. Yeah. Yeah. Was that Saturday? That was Saturday. Are you sure? I might not be, but... Yeah. Maybe that was after... We don't even know what day I, it is. Yeah, so no. I'm lost, too. I think that actually happened Friday. It usually no. is... I don't know. Saturday. It, it is. It usually is. I don't know, though. No, I think it did run Saturday, and then it was stopped by rain, and then it restarted again and finished. After the Xfinity after race. The, yeah. That's when they usually run. After the Xfinity race. After the Xfinity race, I think it started raining, and then the modified race was stopped midway through. Yeah. What the hell? I, I'm all screwed up. Screw all that. 
I'm on, we're ta- I'm talking about Sunday, <laughs> not even Saturday. What the hell's wrong with me? See? All right. Is so more of this to are come, y'all confused? everybody. Okay. <laughs> um, I'm hoping you're confused because if you're not, I'm surprised. I um. <laughs> anyways, man, the uh that 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 rain tire stuff is hilarious. Or the the you know the 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 pieces all over the cars and not rain not running in the rain. I'll be on you know NASCAR. They called it, and I think that they called it because out of respect for the fans having to come out there. Dale Jarrett made a really good point. So Dale Jarrett, we're you know we're doing our TV show. We did a we did a countdown to green. I don't know if anybody watched it. It was on USA. It was from two to two thirty on Sunday. Yes, and you know we do a countdown to green, and the clock on uh, the clock on the countdown said twenty two hours. <laughs> and so, <laughs> and so uh, we're sitting there, and Dale Jarrett's like, "Yeah, them them rain tires are where they belong in the truck." And he's like, uh, "He said." You know, one thing we don't even know is whether fans would even sit through that, right? You got all these fans here, but are they really willing to to sit through you know rain and, and watch an event being mm. rained on all day long? That's a question that I don't know the answer to. Um, fans are going to tell us they're very vocal and passionate about it. So I think there's some, you know, there's obviously physically could the cars have went out there and raced at three o'clock in the afternoon? Yes. Mm-hmm. Was that the right thing to do, considering how much rain we were getting in the morning for people to travel and do all the... Th- I mean, that that would have been a nightmare and dangerous, right, mm-hmm. for people traveling to the race in such terrible weather. Uh, it had been in their best interest not to be out in those elements uh, that morning trying to get to the racetrack. So uh, I didn't mind that the race was postponed to Monday. I had nothing to do on Monday. I was going to come here and hang out with y'all all day. So we were glad that it actually got postponed yeah, to Monday. You were happy. We actually had productivity. Yeah. I was going to come here, come to the comp- competition meeting for junior motorsports with our junior motorsports teams. We are trying to, you know, trying to improve our performance across the board at junior motorsports in our Xfinity series. We had really fast cars on Saturday when that race started. And with, I don't know, 50 or 80 to go, it unraveled for all of us. Got all, you know, got all tore up in some restarts and, and none of us had the finish that we probably deserved. But um, I lead that race after the Xfinity Series. I, you know, most of the team is is beaten down because of how things have went for us compared to last year. <clears throat> last year was a one in a million, man. That Those kind of years, I don't know if we'll ever have another season like that again. It's difficult to compare ourselves to that, but I love holding ourselves to a standard, and we do. Um, but I left the uh, Saturday race uh, for the Xfinity Series Really happy because we qualified really good. And in the race, our cars at times had speed better than anyone else. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's that's all you can hope for when you go to the racetrack is that you're just not getting outrun all day long by the same car, which has been the case at, ten, at times this year. I was uh, working the pit box a little bit for NBC. Uh, they turned us loose after the second stage, and I went and put my headset on and climbed on top of the nine box with Brandon Jones and listened to those guys for the end of the race. Um, it was nice for me to have some, you know, be hands-on. Yeah, car. The, you got to play a car yeah, owner for I did. I enjoyed that. Very few and far between. Um, anyways, Monday's race was incredible. And the reason why I say the word incredible, I know Martin Truex led 254 of 301 laps. We saw his car in practice and knew he was going to be hard to beat. But that track had literally five grooves, which is I mean, there's only one or two left, and they're in the wall, right? Right. 
There's one left, actually. So out of six lanes of asphalt, I'm counting the apron, Mike. Yeah, because people use it. Out of six lanes of asphalt, on one side is grass and on the other is a wall, Mm -hmm. they used five. I could not believe it. That's interesting. You know, you were really concerned about that. In fact, there was this whole test session that was scheduled. You said that's more important than the race to test the short track package. The racing was really good. It was so good. Yeah. And the – oh, that That was a text message from a friend of mine. So I'll turn it to silence. Sorry, my bad. So uh, we – We've been going there for a long time, and that racetrack actually was one groove for the most part, and then they started treating the racetrack with some PJ1 and stuff like that, and then they had cars running a little bit down low and a couple cars running a little bit up high, and there's kind of the middle groove was now uh, no man's land. They haven't treated the track for the last several years because they have now proclaimed it a wet weather track, so we can't, you know, if it does rain, it would be one of the racetracks they're willing to race at, so there must be a list somewhere of tracks that they are not willing to race at on wet weather, like Daytona, Talladega, Sure. and then there's a list where they, hey, if it does rain, we will try to race. This is one of those, so they don't want the treatment on there, because the treatment will set, uh, the water will sit on top of that, and it'll be really ridiculously slick. There are three newer lanes of asphalt that were put down 15, 20 years ago, and it's very easy to see it because of the shade of it, the color mm-hmm. of it. That's the groove at the bottom. So you have the apron, then you have a new new layer of asphalt, and then two more above it. And then there are two old layers of asphalt up high that are really grayed out. But it has sealer on it that was put there 25, 20 years ago. Sealer mm-hmm. that's down on that racetrack. And the modified guys use it. And when you run in that sealer, it's sort of like PJ1. It gets hot and tacky and grippy like Coke syrup. And so like walking across a sticky floor, right? And the cup cars would never go up there. It just was the long way around, right? But now with, um, for whatever reason, man, not treating the racetrack and the grip from that treatment going away, wearing away in those bottom grooves, a couple cars in the very back of the field. This was a really neat phenomenon to watch, Mike. If you were there in person, that was the only way you were going to see it. Right. Like five cars in the very, very back of the field, the last five positions, started running way up in that fourth groove. And I was watching that. We started talking about it on air. We're like, man, there's some guys running way up the racetrack. Uh, no one up front's doing it yet. But apparently they're finding some speed there because they keep doing it. And then... 20th to 25th started doing it and then 15th to 20th started doing it and this was like happening every 30 laps or so okay and finally fifth place does it and he runs down fourth and fourth season and fourth starts doing it and he runs down third place and third starts doing it and he runs down second place and second place starts doing it and he runs down the leader and then truex is now doing it it was such a fun thing to watch these guys go yeah i'm not gonna go up there until i have to Somebody starts running me down, then I'm going to try it. Sure. And by the end of the race, the whole field's now running in this fourth groove in turn three and four, particularly, uh, way up the racetrack. And you could, you, you know, if you wanted to try the bottom, you could. Some guys still did, uh, even running on the apron at times off of turn two. So, really, there were five lanes of asphalt getting used at this racetrack. And I never would have, I would have lost the bet. Yeah, if we had to make a guess on how many grooves or lanes of asphalt they'd be using in the corners, 
I mean, I can't tell you how, how cool that is for New Hampshire, for that track. They've needed a boost, if you will, in terms of, uh, you know, maintaining their sort of, you know, role in the, in the, in the, in the series and maintaining their place in the schedule. All these, now that the schedule's so malleable and that there's like, oh man, you know, street races. Oh, that was great. Let's do more of those. You know, now that, you know, and everybody's probably calling NASCAR going, can you come here? Can you come race here? Uh, the tracks like New Hampshire, man, they got to be guarded. They got to be, they got to be, uh, you know, they got to be sure about their footing and their roots. This uh, race this past weekend, man, makes me want to go back there next year. Uh, and, and I felt, I felt, I was happy to see that. That's three, it's, you know, I'm sure maybe more, but that's three solid weekends. Yeah. Between and, Chicago, Atlanta, and here. And we've talked about it in recent weeks where tracks need to have an identity. They need to have that one little yeah. special thing. And wow, it's so exciting to hear how excited you are about it. And I also would say is that I can watch a broadcast and I can tell how into it you are. Mm -hmm. Now that doesn't mean to say that there's weeks where you just, you are evidently not into it, but when your octaves yeah, go yeah. into Burton's, mm -hmm. then <laughs> it, it's called the Burton zone. There yeah. is, I is it, and, the and you zone. were in Burton zone yeah. pretty much that whole time. Well, I'll be honest with you, man. Burton's dominated New Hampshire. The fun thing for our booth is we all have sort of a specialty or an expertise, I guess. And so at certain tracks, man, one of us is going to play a bigger role. And that this past weekend was kind of Burton's track, right? That was his track. And um, and you kind of lay back and you know listen to him and let him tell you about why he was so good there and what the drivers are dealing with. And I know what he's thinking and saying, but coming from him, it 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 carries a lot of weight due to his success there. And so um, he did a really, really good job of explaining what's challenging about New Hampshire. Um, you know, at the tracks where strategy is a big factor, particularly road courses and so forth, Steve, lean, we lean into Steve and let him have the floor, let him speak, have a little more room to move. Uh, you could probably see, see some of that uh, for me happening at, at Atlanta a couple weeks ago. NASCAR history and heritage come alive at the NASCAR Hall of Fame. Celebrate my fellow inductees Donnie Allison, Jimmy Johnson, and Chad Knauss with their class of 2024 artifacts enshrined in the Hall of Honor. Don't miss the Ford Performance Showcase. It's a new inside NASCAR exhibit that showcases the Ford Mustang's next-gen car through its design and innovation. The latest edition of Glory Road explores over 75 years of racing history, with its cool 33-degree banking and 19 cars on display on Mondays and Fridays, there's guided tours that take you behind the scenes with incredible stories and access to a NASCAR Hall of Fame insider. Or you can explore the hall at your own pace with the new mobile hub. It's a digital experience. Get behind the wheel of a realistic iRacing simulator. Or you can learn how fast-paced pit stops work with the Pit Crew Challenge. From the legends who shaped the sport to the new heroes earning a spot in the record books, the NASCAR Hall of Fame delivers an unforgettable experience. Book your visit to the hall today at nascarhall.com. The Dale Jr. Download is brought to you by ZipRecruiter. You going to any concerts this summer, man? I am. I'm seeing a concert in June. Hardy and Kit Moore. Love Hardy. In uh, Charlotte. I was so stressed getting the tickets. I'm going to be front row. I'm, gonna, I'm in the pit. When these tickets go out, man, I am online as soon as tickets open i don't want to miss a thing yeah you, you know you gotta act quick yes and when you want the best you have to act quickly or someone else will get it instead 
It's like if you're hiring for a business, you want to find the most talented people for your open roles before the competition scoops them up. Mm. So what's the best way to do that? ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter finds qualified candidates fast, and right now, you can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash Dale Jr. ZipRecruiter's powerful matching technology takes center stage to identify top talent for your roles. Immediately after you post your job, ZipRecruiter's smart technology starts showing you qualified people for it. Amp up your hiring performance with ZipRecruiter and find the best fast. See why four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Just go to this exclusive web address right now to try ZipRecruiter for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash Dale Jr. Again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash Dale Jr. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Uh, we talked about that short track test, so what is that? Um, uh, we, we mentioned it last week on the show, and I joked a little bit about how the future of short track racing is on the shoulders of these testers, the drivers that are going to be doing this test. Uh, the track, the test was supposed to be to uh, Monday and today, but with the weather, they decided to change it to Richmond, mm. and uh, it would be rescheduled. Uh, I forget what day it is, uh, but now um, I went and called. Um, I got on uh, with Jeff Burton's advice. I called each one of these drivers and said, "Hey, man, you still going to do this test?" Most of them, yes. One or two, no. Um, and I told them, I was like, "Hey." Y'all, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm confident in you. I believe in you. I think this is going to be a great opportunity for, for NASCAR. You've been picked and chosen uh, for a reason. And understand, you know, it is, it is, it carries a lot of responsibility. You're going to a test with a totally unique agenda. You're not going there for yourself. This isn't about you. This isn't about your team. This isn't about getting your car to turn in the middle. This is about trying to get NASCAR's short track package to the next level, right? We love it at the mile and a half. <clears throat> we loved it this past weekend. But when we go to Martinsville, we don't love it, all right? <clears throat> when we go to Richmond, eh, we're not in love, love with it. Nope. And we'd love, we want to be excited about it being able to – you want to have confidence that you could take that car to any short track and it – put on a hell of a show and we don't have that right now and so i told these guys I was like man you guys really are in control of the future in terms of what this car can do at a short track so always be thinking about that you know and also it'd be good for all of those guys to get together and conversate and communicate with each other before they go mm. they have a test plan they know the test plan nascar sharing that with them nascar is also showing them the pieces and parts that they plan to use and try at the test Understand what NASCAR is going to try to, you know, what that part and piece is going to try to achieve. And when that part and piece gets bolted on your car, understand what you're trying to feel from it, what you're trying to learn from it, what NASCAR wants to know from you. And it don't get competitive. Don't get out there and start looking at lap times. Don't worry about your car not doing so good or not getting off the corner well. Just try to gather the data, you know, and, and always be thinking, about what this means to short track racing and and the next gen, and so uh, were you satisfied with their response? Oh yeah, good. All of them are in the perfect frame of mind. They totally understand the mission, and there'll be some new names probably dropped into this test as a couple people can't make it for certain for reason you know for good reason. Um, but yeah, it's a really important day. Now the only problem that I'm concerned about is some of the changes that may 
be favorable. Some of the parts and pieces that NAS, you know, that NASCAR has that end up doing what they hoped, right, might not be exactly what a manufacturer wants for their specific car. If they feel like, hey man, we really are in a, we got a, we feel like we got an advantage, and this part and piece takes that away. That's when it gets a little bit political, right? Mm-hmm. And the drivers need to try their hardest <laughs> to not listen to that noise. And I know their manufacturers are going to be in their ear going, hey, man, you know, we really don't want to have to change this or that about our car. So we don't love the idea of having this piece changed. If right. That's something that they end up liking. It's it's so interesting to me. All of the it's a it's a damn it's a soap opera. It's a drama show. You sure. Know? That's why and, you test also. Yeah. also. That's why you test. Do you think that the crew chiefs will be on board with this, you know, importance and priority? Like drivers, I can see you guys getting together. No, and t- so crew chiefs are the ones that get competitive. Oh, yeah. Drivers get competitive too. Crew no, chiefs. No, I'm not saying they don't, but I'm saying is that. I know. That's, that's going to be uh, what makes or breaks the test, right? Is right. that everybody goes there with the right attitude and agenda, no, trying to just fix the short track package. Not they're not trying to find speed, trying to fix their cars. NASCAR is always really good too when they go to these tests. They may say, and they've done this before, we know y'all want to try some things on your own. Here is a two hour window where you guys can, you know, mingle play. about and play. You know, not, just to get it out of your damn system. Right. right? You've bought this X, XYZ shock for whatever front end package you want to try. Go ahead. And then come back to us in an hour or two, and we're going to start working on our stuff and get back on the agenda and the test plans. So, man, I know that, um, you know, that's interesting to me. I hope it goes well. I can't wait to uh, hear the feedback from it and what the drivers liked and didn't like. One of the, one of the things that they're – one of the parts that I'm hearing about that's really interesting is a new splitter that creates lift. And so, basically, it's going to – it's going to create lift for the lead car, taking away downforce and um, taking away grip. What may happen or should happen in theory is that it, as if you're following a car with that splitter, the lift issue goes away. Right. Right. And so it's it only almost applies to the lead car. Yeah, it's almost in a, you've disadvantaged the lead car. That's the idea. And if you're following, uh, it should. It should not affect your cars badly, giving you the opportunity to, you know, hassle um, that car in front and pass. Maybe. Very interesting. Maybe. Yeah, we'll see. Um, we'll see how it works. Anyways, um, we talked about uh, the bubble last week. The bubble is still as tight as ever. I noticed you had to walk back something you were quite confident about. I know, yeah. So Chase Elliott, um, I, was, I was a firm believer that he could point his way in. Uh, but this past weekend – he didn't do anything to help himself uh, gain on – he actually gained nothing. He was right. even. He left the race. He came in minus 60, left minus 60. And but with one race fewer, so there's six dude, races it's left. Now ten, he now right. needs just more than – just over 10 points a race. Right. That's tall order right there. Tall order. And so um, to consistently gain that average – in six races, he'll he's. I just don't see the performance. I know that they can. I know they're good. I know he's a champion, but I think even he has to feel like it's 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 win or it's all or nothing, right? Sure. So yeah, I have. I was a believer in Chase pointing his way in. I was the only maybe one. It was me and and uh, Marty Snyder, and the rest of the crew. 
uh, Burton, Tartan, all of them, they were all, man, he's got to win, he's got to win. They've been saying this for weeks. Well, they're now uh, grinning and happy because they've, they've, they've won out. When we look at the bubble battle, though, uh, it's pretty interesting. Um, everybody from 14th on up is pretty clear and healthy. Chris Buescher, Brad Keselowski, Kevin Harvick. 15th, Bubba Wallace is at plus two. Michael McDowell is at plus one. Daniel Suarez is at minus one. Then you got A.J. Allmendinger at minus 20. He um, lost seven points to the bubble. Ty Gibbs at minus 41, lost 15. He's been struggling to, to, to gain on that bubble line. I thought he'd do a little bit better the last couple of weeks. He's had some good speed. Bowman gained two, but he's at minus 42. I honestly feel like – so now, yeah, Chase doesn't make it on points. That was one of my picks. I, was, I thought Bubba would do it and I thought Chase would do it. So now i got to regroup. I still put Bubba in at 15th, and I believe, I mean, in theory, Daniel Suarez should beat Michael McDowell. Mm. But I'm telling you, man, Michael had a pretty damn good performance this past weekend. Not only has a pretty good performance this past weekend, finished 13th, but also what a story, the fact that he's even in this I know race. I mean, I am now not just going to throw uh, the McDowell card and just throw it and say, oh, well, he, he won't make it at the end. Maybe he doesn't. But mm-hmm. the fact of the matter is is that you can't discount that. And I think that now we're having to pay attention, really pay attention to him. And when we do, we see that, dude, he's, this isn't really flukish. He's, no. he's really overperforming he is. in this car. No one had him as the 16th best team in the series. Nope. Um, but he is running well enough to do that. And um, you got to give him a lot of credit. I still feel like if you put Michael, I always, I'm, I'm, I, I simple it down as, as, as easy as much as I can for me. If I put Michael McDowell and Daniel Suarez on a track in a one-on-one, I feel like Daniel beats him in most cases. Me too. The trouble is, is when you put another 38 cars on the racetrack or 35 cars on the racetrack, that's when it seems like it, it almost levels the playing field for Michael. Because um, he can bring a hard, his, he can take care of a car, and his style of hard headedness. He drives, you know, his driving style suits him. It's good for him, but it it's it it can annoy others, which it annoyed Ryan Priest this past weekend. Yeah, um, and we've seen it in. You remember Daniel and uh, uh, Michael were in a f- shoving match sure. on pit road at uh, at Phoenix a couple years back. So, anyways. Going to be interesting now that Chase is pretty much in a must-win. Uh, it's going to be interesting watching that bubble battle. I love it. I think it's fascinating. No, these guys probably aren't going to win a championship this year. They're not going to factor into the Final Four, I don't believe. But the bubble battle still is just something fun to talk about. It's it's important to them, right? It matters to them. When you do not make the playoffs, it is freaking embarrassing. Yes. And especially when you don't and a teammate does, even worse. And there is no way – that your team owner just mashes the reset button in the off season and lets y'all go again. He's changing something because mm. there's no, you know, there's there's no. If you don't make a change, you're assuming that you're okay with you're it. okay with it. So, yeah, if you if you miss the playoffs, you can expect things to be different about your program next next season in some way or another. So, crew chiefs don't love that. Engineers don't love that. People, you know. People get a little bit nervous and apprehensive and, and anxious uh, when they're watching this bubble battle. So, anyways, we're going into Pocono this weekend. It's a great racetrack. I'm going to be working on Friday at the Xfinity Series uh, uh, practice and qualifying. I can't wait to see us get down there and see what we can do. 
If you've ever been in the market for a new home, you know home shopping can be a lot. There's so much you don't know and so much you need to know. What are the neighborhoods like? What are the schools like? Who is the agent who knows the listing or the neighborhood best? And why can't all this information just be in one place? Dalton, this probably sounds real familiar to you. It does. I just bought a house last year. And, you know, you asked, uh, why can't all this information be in one place? Well, now it is. On Homes.com, they've got everything you need to know about the listing itself, but even better. They've got comprehensive neighborhood guides and detailed reports about local schools. And their agent directory helps you see the agent's current listings and sales history. Homes.com collaboration tools make it easier than ever to share all this information with your family. It's a whole cul-de-sac of home shopping information all at your fingertips. Homes.com. We've done your homework. So um, (laughs) before we get into Ask Junior, before we get into Ask Junior, I wanted to... um, There's something that I saw uh, last week, and I just was wondering if it's just me. Do I, does anyone else see this? All right. What so is it? Um, I was looking at a yearbook of mine. Okay. Right. And um, this was a couple months ago. And then just recently I saw somebody had a, some, somebody in my family's, uh, you know, got a senior or a freshman in high school and was looking at their uh, yearbook. And I noticed this, I noticed this even way back when I was in military school and I was visiting the military school, walking around it, getting ready to go there, I was learning about the property, right? Wherever, what buildings were what. And on the wall, they had the seniors from years ago, from like, you know, they had, they're in every, in every senior class in the military school, there's like this one dude that's like the highest rank, Mm. right? He's the, he's the biggest, he's the highest officer. Mm -hmm. It's a student. So intimidating. Um, and but back in the fifties and sixties, man, these people looked like thirty-five year old oh, adults. Yeah. Oh yeah, back in the day. Yes. Yeah. And so when I and and you know when I was in school when I was a senior, I thought we looked like seniors should look right. And now, um, when I look at seniors in of this, say for for example, seniors of two thousand twenty-three, they look like eighth graders. <laughs> yeah. What is going on? We're trending well, in this side where it's a linear trend, Mike, where a senior, a high school senior from 1950, looks like a 35 year old today. Yes. Or a 30 year old. Well, I so agree I'm, with that. So I might be stretching it by five years. Guess what's changed? What has happened? You changed. Oh. You got older. What's going on? Listen, it, this is true. I agree with you. Is that when you look back, like, you know, you look back at people back in the days, like in the 80s, man. Like, when I think about people in the 80s, yeah. when they were graduating high school, I'm like, my God, they were grown-ass They're men. Like 25-year-olds. They, the, they had the mustaches yes. and the beards and everything. It's like, my <laughs> God. Yeah. They looked like they were going to yeah. be, uh, you know... Taking their family down to the picnic in their van or something, yeah. and they're in, they're in the high school. Now they don't because we've gotten older. It's almost like you know how when you look back at something like a picture or something from the nineties. Mm-hmm. Yep. Now it's starting to look a little older, right? Like you could tell you can't in the moment see the difference in technology and the crispness of the of the photos, but oh, yeah. now. Yeah. Now when you look back and you're like, holy, was that the 70s? Yeah. No, that was in 97 or, or something. Right. I'm like, holy crap. Yeah. Or when we look at old racing photos from like 2003, they're starting to look a little Very classic. Old. Yes, they're looking classic. Yeah. We're changing. I get that, man. But I'm telling you, the, the, 
that specific phenomenon of looking at looking at the uh, trying to trying to age a high school senior out of a yearbook. I just it's cur- I'm curious about it because it's curious to me because like I say, you know, you would if you picked a senior yearbook from any go online look for senior yearbook anywhere in the country, right? From the 50s. Those seniors are going to look like 30-year-old people and when you look at anyone from like the 70s or 80s, they look like 25-year-olds. My age I feel like looked or like they should look, right? Like 18. <laughs> you, your class was the only one that's normal. Well, I'm, I think this is probably the case for anyone. So if you know, if if you were, you know, if you were a senior in 1975, you probably would look at the pictures and go, "Yeah, I feel like we look like 18-year-olds in these pictures." Yeah. So this probably synonymous. This is probably consistent with anyone, no matter your grade, right? No matter your age, you feel like your class looked normal. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Where everybody else looks like Uncle Rico, uh, and and you but, know, through the yearbook. As we move forward, uh, the the seniors today, or even in recent years, look younger than oh, seniors. Hundred percent. Like right? I, like, we, like like tenth graders or eighth graders. Go to a college campus, like on a game day or something, and you're like, wait a second, these are college yes, students. Yes, yes. What? Yes, yes. These are college students. Yeah. They look like they're in middle school. Yeah. I hate to say that because they're going to be pissed. Well, but. I, I, you know, I, what is the phenomenon? Like, Andrew Curlin is a good example. I was going to say that. I wasn't I wasn't going to say that. I was thinking that, wasn't going to say it. Andrew, how old are you? I'm 21. You okay. look 14. God, come on, Mike. Uh, I, I, like, he does look about three or four years younger than 21. Easily. I still get like a Do you get heart- carded? Oh yeah! Oh, like sure I, was, he does. I was actually just at Luke Combs this past weekend. And I swear she probably stared at my ID for twenty seconds. Yeah. There's certainly some, yeah. something wrong here. This cannot yeah. be. This cannot be true. Kids are getting younger <laughs> these days. Yeah. Um, Why is that, Andrew? What are y'all doing? Huh? What are y'all doing? What am I doing? No. What? what oh. Yeah. What, speak on behalf of your generation. Oh geez. Um. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> what is huh? it? Healthier. 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 Not outside. I don't know, man. More like preservatives. Yeah, it seems like it's less healthy today than that it would have been younger? 50 years ago. Like 50 years ago, man, people were like eating real food. Now it's just all that. Now it's just like all this processed, processed stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, so. man, I mean, I'm not knocking it. I'm eating the shit out of it too, but <laughs> I'm just saying, like, we shouldn't be looking younger. We should be looking more haggard, right? <laughs> <laughs> Some of us are. Oh, yeah, true. Oh. All right. Well, Andrew, congratulations on, <laughs> on preserving your youth. Keep that up, bud. Oh, man. I wonder if anyone else feels like this, man. I'd be, be curious to see what the feedback is. Anyhow, let's get into Smash Jr. They may look young, but they don't know how to click a link. Hey, we uh, <laughs> we clicked the button, oh, yeah. and we're live. We're All live. Right. Yeah. All right. Hey, everybody. Um, you're tuning in on the uh, the Dale Jr. Uh, or <laughs> you're tuning in on the Dirty Mo Media YouTube page. Appreciate it. Uh, Andrew and the guys back there finally found the button to hit, <laughs> hit and get us live. And uh, we got some Ash Jr. on deck. Andrew's been gathering all of your questions that you've been sending to at Xfinity Racing on Twitter. Uh, thank you, Xfinity, for everything you do for us. But uh, we got some good ones on deck. They've been great. They've been great this year. I don't know whether it's Andrew or what. But um, and you guys obviously have to ask the questions. So 
Um, let's get started. Yeah, and uh, we I'm glad we clicked the right button because Travis almost closed the entire Yikes. YouTube browser out. Uh, but this first question coming from Michael, uh, how much fun did you have running around with Larry or like AKA Loudon the Lobster this weekend? That was fun. You know, I never won a race at New Hampshire. Had some good, good, uh, good races. Apparently, with Truex winning, it puts me back into the lead of the person that's led the most laps without a win. I'm not sure if that statistic's real. <laughs> but if you're not a winner, winner, like if you haven't won a race there, it's not a bad statistic. <laughs> yeah, it just says you ran up front quite a bit. I th- I remember leading some laps there, running pretty good. But uh, let's go rewrite the bio, please. Uh, yeah, repost that on. <laughs> yeah, we got a new accolade to I know. be proud about. <laughs> <laughs> I'd take anything I can get. Um, anyways, Larry, so that's a great conversation, man. Listen to this. I ain't falling for this. So this lobster, right? There's a there's this weird equation for figuring out the age of a lobster, and it's like their weight. <laughs> Times four plus three years, some weird. So, this lobster's either anywhere between 60 and 70 years old. All right. Wow. This lobster is anywhere from 60 and 70 years old. And I talked to the people that own the restaurant where he is kept, and they have to find him. They have to go actively find this lobster, right? They spend months looking for the the one of size that they can get and then go they go get him bring him up to their tank he lives in their tank till the race he comes out he rides around in a cooler he comes out for the for you know we we had him in the tv booth he goes to victory lane and then they 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 cook him (laughs) yeah then he gets cooked the inevitable end of the lobster what a good life though and so um (laughs) apparently um one year, Kurt Busch won, and I think uh, his first wife insisted that it be released back into the sea, which which uh, apparently kills it immediately. Mm. So, um, or it doesn't last very long, right, in the sea uh, after it's uh, being raised in in this in this habitat. But uh, that it's re- however the guy's just telling me he's like, man, she insisted. We were like, hey, it's not gonna it's gonna last a couple of days, and they're like, anyways, so. And I heard that this giant lobster tastes the same as the little regular lobster, right? So on TV for Countdown to Green Sunday, we had the big guy in there and a regular lobster. And they were like, hey, man, it tastes the same. You'd think it might be different, texture or whatever. Yeah, like deer. Deer, the bigger the deer, the tougher the meat. Okay. Yeah. I I was happy to hear that it tastes the same. And so um, anyways, my problem with all of this is that they insist on calling this lobster Loudon. That of, of all the problems you would have, that's the one? Well, it's horse <laughs> Okay, tell us why. Because he's 60 years old. So he shouldn't be called Loudon. He was not named? I mean, was he? You, you want to call him by his original name? Yeah. <laughs> what is that? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, but it damn sure wasn't Loudon. 60 years ago? Yeah. I mean, he's getting this Loudon. He goes, he, it's disrespectful. He's getting this Loudon. He's getting this Loudon name. What in the last six months? <laughs> Apparently, the last forty-eight hours. Yeah. No, no, they went and found him. They're like, "Hey, man, guess what? We're taking you to New Hampshire. New name. You bud. got a new name, man. It's right. Loudon, and it's not. It's not a good thing." Um, That's unfortunately, like re- unfortunately for you, your end is near. It's like renaming Grandpa at the wake. Uh, like you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. <laughs> You know what? Abe is not his name anymore. Yeah. We're calling him 
Loudon. If anybody ever tries to name you Loudon, man, turn and run. <laughs> right. Go ahead and give your last rights. The end is near. <laughs> so we're sitting up there, and I'm like, they're like, yeah, man. They're get, we're getting ready to go on air, and they're like, his name's Loudon. I'm like, I ain't calling him Loudon. That's poor <laughs> I'm like, his name's Larry or something. That's what I'm calling him. I make my own damn decisions. So you renamed him. Yes. But probably not his original name. Didn't matter. Hypocrite. Yep. Yeah. No. I wasn't going there. I wasn't going with the flow. This yeah. is the, what else? This is when you know there was a rain delay, by the way. I'm going to tell you, it felt good not to, not to, name, not to call him Loudon on air. Felt good about yourself. I wasn't going with that. Mm. Anyways. Did we answer the question? <laughs> <laughs> that was, uh, it was fun. I t- Dude, the thing, listen, Brad Kozlowski says they're the bugs of the sea. I mean, I can see it when you get that up close to it. He's held, he's held, he's held one, so he should know. But, uh, you know, usually you get you order lobster, you get the tail, it's already cooked, you don't have to look at the thing, right? And so uh, I'm holding him, and he, they move so slow and deliberate. You know, and it's this weird, weird thing. And in down in his, like you're holding him, right? And you're looking down in his face and all kinds of little things are moving around and carrying on. And you're like, this is the strangest beast. Yeah. But anyhow, and I'm like, hey, we didn't plan this. This wasn't like plan, plan. We decided it on the spot. Burton and I were like, hey, man, they're coming to us at the very last segment. We did a half hour countdown to green at two o'clock on Sunday. Even though there wasn't a race, we we were doing a countdown to green anyways. In the last segment of the show, the last five minutes, they're going to come back to me and Burton. We're going to give a final thoughts about something, right? <clears throat> and so I said, "Hey, Burton, I'm going to dip. I'm going to get the lobster, and I'm going into their booth. So when they come to us, it'll be just you, and you toss it back to them as I walk in. And uh, I'm going to make, I'm going to bring it in there, right? And uh, see if any of them freak out. They don't freak out, but Latarch's standing there, and he's from Maine. He's ate lobster all his life. Won't eat it now because he's had so much when he was younger. Uh, he's holding his sick mic. And I'm like, I walk it in there. I'm like, hey, yeah, here. And my, and Latarch's like, yeah, I've got a sick mic. I'm not going to hold. I'm like, put the damn mic down. <laughs> I walked in here. We're on live television. Hold the freaking lobster. You're not getting away with this. And uh, he's like, oh, yeah. Puts the sick mic down. It's kind of funny, but... Um, it was fun, and it's a really, really big animal, 22 pounds, uh, and so, yeah, somebody yeah. had, there was a lot of, uh, lobster rolls to be had, I guess, for Truex and his crew. There you go. Well, you damn sure answered the question yeah. and then some of that one. That was great. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, the, the lobster being kind of a interesting marquee trophy for New Hampshire, mm-hmm. this next question, um, is asking kind of about the trophies that you have. Obviously, you've got a lot of them. Do, how many do you have in your house, and like, what are the ones oh. that you have displayed? There's a couple, one or two in here, and there's a lot upstairs at Junior Motorsports. Mm-hmm. All of my um, most popular driver awards are in this building um, on different pedestals around. And um, in, I have a shop on my property that's full of trophies. Some are Ralph Earnhardt's. Um, trophies are in there as well and in the house the clock from martinsville the trophy from bristol from 2004 both of my xfinity series championship trophies both of my daytona 500 trophies um chicago win is there 
Michigan win is there. Atlanta win is there. And uh, there's a few more. Anyways, um, probably about a third of my cup wins and and both of my Xfinity Trophy Series championship trophies are at the house. And so, yeah, that's it. That's a good lineup. Yeah, for sure. Uh, We got time for one more. And uh, this question's coming from Lane. Uh, You know, Truex is still, he even said yesterday that he's not not, sure about returning in 2024. I texted him last night. I heard that he was... uh, Gonna buy a fishing boat. Yeah, and yeah. Somehow that's that. factoring into the decision. Well, he well, brought it in. Oh yeah. So he said he um he's been putting off buying this fishing boat for like five six years, yep. and he's like not good at making big decisions. So he finally, I think, is gonna buy yep. the fishing boat. But I guess the 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 question was, what do you think he'll do, and, and what do you hope happens in twenty twenty four? I hope he races. Um, I me and Truex, I I consider us to be close pals. And, um, man, I, I begged Rick Hendrick to hire him, uh, when he was, when he was between drivers. I don't, I can't remember if it was, um, Mark Levin, uh, or Casey Levin, but <clears throat> there was a, there was a time when I, I, I had a hard time convincing, uh, Rick to, to change the route he was going down and also to understand just what kind of a driver Martin was. And um, uh, that would have been pretty cool to see him go there. But he ends up, right, going down this other route. And honestly, man, I think there's so much to be appreciated because Martin ends up, you know, Martin ends up in a bad situation with with, uh, how the Michael Watcher thing falls apart. He has to basically relegate down uh, uh, to a car and help that program that was in a bit of a rebuild, right? Um, Kurt Busch had been a part of improving Furniture Row, and it was on the upswing when Martin got there. And um, he Martin continued to take it to the next level. They win a championship with their association with Gibbs. Cole Pern is a massive role has a massive role in the success in that team. Which I wish Cole was still part of what what was going on in our sport because he was not only incredible uh, as a crew chief, but witty and fun, um, just a great personality. Uh, who had a really unique perspective on the sport. But Truex, you know, kind of helped kind of I got to give him a lot of credit, man. He was in a crossroads where he could he could have mentally and emotionally torpedoed his career or turned the corner and went the right way and he goes the right way. Takes a lot of guts and mental toughness uh to do what he did to climb out of that hole and become a champion. And uh now he's, you know, won 30 some races. Yeah. Imagine if he had been in this type of situation his entire career. You know, he's literally literally only done most of all this in the back half. He's as good as he ever was. I hate to see him stop, but at the same time, man, I mean, if he's if he quits and goes and fishes every day uh, off the in the Gulf Coast, I, I that's a hell of a thing, right? Yeah. To go out on top. Um, I texted him last night. I said, what boat? Cause I've read about the boat and, uh, he sent me a picture of it and, um, it's beautiful. You know, it's just, you know, people would look at it and go, yep, yeah, that's a, that's a fishing boat, center console, fishing boat. Nothing. This ain't no, you know, yacht. It ain't no, you know, cabin cruiser or nothing like that. It's just a center console and he just wants to go fish. He loves it. And he's a sportsman. He's an outdoorsman massive in hunting and, and fishing, loves to 
be in the be on be in the outdoors every day. Um, he fits a very, you know, he fits he fits a very popular mold for NASCAR drivers, right? I think he's more of an outdoorsman than Dad ever was. Um, I think he's, you know, even though he's from New Jersey, he just sort of he reminds me a lot of the old guard, you know, and the way they they live their they live their lives away from the racetrack. He certainly isn't like married to to his job every single day. He goes and does what he wants, fishes and carries on and travels and I don't know, I'm getting into the weeds here, but if we lost Martin, we'd be losing a really cool personality and a very unique uh person that's fun to pull for. I know that he's ruffled some feathers with some comments in the past about, you know, especially with Joe Logano, he won the battle, but he won't win the war. And then they go to Homestead and he <laughs> loses the war to Joey. Um, I know all that did some, you know, changed people's minds about Martin at some at, at points. And I could read that in social media and so forth. Um, but dang, man, I mean, man, a few words when he speaks, he's genuinely has something to say that he, that matters to him. And he's a hell of a race car driver. Uh, and so, but if he wants to go fish, go fish. Yeah. He's definitely earned it. And I don't know how much more he could do. You know, does he stick around and grind out a couple more years for a few more wins? And even if he wins a championship this year, I don't know if he, that keeps him around. It'll be, uh, interesting to see what he does. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, it will. We're all waiting. So we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. That's a good place to, uh, mark this Ash Jr. All right, so that's the show, man. It was a lot of fun coming in here. Thanks to Lionel for all these awesome diecasts on the table. Thanks to Bojangles. Mike, one last thing before we let everybody go. The Ultimate Experience is back this year. Tell us what we need to know. Oh, man, listen, tickets are on sale right now at DirtyMoMedia.com. The race is September 16th, Bristol Night Race. I don't know if there's a better race on the schedule. It's, it's, it's fantastic. We pack a lot of value into this event and a lot of things for people to do. We've got a lot of return customers already coming back. So uh, tickets are on DirtyMoMedia.com. Go buy it and join us. It's going to be fun. Um, you know, we'll, Who's we'll coming up it. into the booth? Who's coming into the Who's booth? Who's going to visit? You know what? I don't know yet. Do you, you want to invite? I will always entertain an invite. Well, I will send you an official invite right. right now. You got it. Invited. Okay, invited. Yes. All right. So you, you got to buy a ticket to see if Dale Jr. takes us up on his invite. Yeah, I might come up and see you. <laughs> No, it'd be fun. I will. All you right. would be impressed by this crowd. This is a good good group of people that love Dirty Mo Media. Where's your suite? I don't. Know, I don't know. We're but still the, still. It's it's uh, in the track. Good. <laughs> <laughs> They're all the way around. So yeah, there's not a bad know, one. Let me know where you are. I'll right, come buddy. see you. And don't forget, we got another episode of Becoming Earnhardt coming out this week, as well as guest Donnie Allison is going to come on and talk about not only that 1979 season, but a whole lot more. We're excited to have Donnie in the studio this week. We'll see you. Check out Dirty Mo Media on Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, and Instagram.